The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. is the Employment Law Show. Greetings. Welcome to it. 6.33 Thursday evening. Hello. Good to have you here. John Scholes and Stan Fainzelberg is up uh, up to bat tonight, courtesy Sam Firu to Mark and LLP. Want to reach Stan now. In fact, both of us would love to get you on the show. Be that third voice. Join the show. Ask your questions. This is the time for you to do it. You have some workplace issues going on. Not sure where you stand. Do you have any wiggle room? Do you have any recourse? you got to talk to a lawyer and a good way to start that conversation. Let's get it happening. We'll get to a ton of email, too. These have been adding up for the last couple of weeks, so I want to get through some of the inbox. And that is uh, help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca, to send an email long and outside the hour of the show, at least a half hour of the show. Stan, always available, encouraging you to call and have a chat on your own time. I'm sure you guys will get along swimmingly. If you do so, one 821 5900 to do that. But we're going to get started here. Stan, thought of the day, case of the day. What do you got, brother? Yeah, thanks, John. So today I just wanted to uh, talk about a case that I recently came across, which really just shows the importance, John, of approaching litigation from either side, but especially from the employer's side because of the vulnerabilities that courts know that employees are in in the situation, and approaching litigation from a reasonable and good faith manner. So in this case, John, uh, an an individual who had been recruited to a financial industry uh, company in the financial industry about 2016 gets let go without cause in 2018. Pretty straightforward, simple facts. He, you know, they have a dispute about severance, have a dispute about certain calculation of wages, and he ends up suing the company. And the company in turn actually ends up countersuing him for breach of his non-solicitation clause and, and not only for breach, but also for punitive damage, damages, extraordinary damages, because this guy ended up taking a job with a competitor nine months later. So this continues on for se- for several years after 2018, gets to gets to trial in 2023. So about five years later, as you can imagine, a lot in between happens, and they conduct a 10-day trial. And during that 10-day trial, about halfway through, the company drops the punitive damages claim entirely. Really? Uh, unsurprisingly, the court actually agrees. I mean, it was a without cause termination, so there was no dispute that he was owed money. It was just about how much. So, and the court awards him money, and it awards him about 700000 in severance Whoa. and wages. Yeah. But the, on the other side, they dismissed the entirety of the company's claim, they actually or counterclaim. They actually say the non-solicitation was a non-compete in disguise and was unenforceable. So after the award of damages always comes the, the issue of costs. And both sides are arguing about how much money, who should pay costs, because first of all, they both said, well, you know, we both had some success here because, uh, because the plaintiff actually requested a far greater sum for severance and wages. Uh, and the court, uh, after considering things, and one of the things it specifically considered 
was the conduct of the company. And, and in that regard, it said that this was actually an appropriate case to award costs to discourage frivolous and strategic mm -hmm. claims. Uh, in the court's view, including its claim for punitive damages was obviously meritless. The employer who owed money to employees should not be should be discouraged from engaging in tactical litigation designed to discourage employees from pursuing their rights. Wow. And it goes on even further, John. It actually said the court says that the company conducted this litigation in an unforgiving, scorched earth and bare knuckle manner. Uh, the decision to pursue the counterclaim and the punitive damages claim uh, was of so little merit that it leaves the court to infer that those claims were only advanced for the tactical reasons of attempting to dissuade the employee from getting his money. And after considering all of that, it awards this employee $830,000 in costs. And as, that, that's $130,000 more than the money he was owed just for the severance. If they had just agreed to pay him severance at any point, they would have been significantly better off than engaging in this 10-day frivolous trial and five-year litigation. So as I say, John, I mean, this case just exemplifies the need for both parties to approach litigation seriously Man. with good intentions. And that doesn't mean always agreeing with the other side. You can, sure. you can be adversarial without engaging in the kind of tactics that this company engaged in. 830. That's a lot of clams. Who is this guy? Well, I need a new car. Maybe I'll give him a ring. It's uh, that's, that's a good settlement for sure, man. Look, we got lots of emails to get through. You can uh, send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca anytime. We're going to uh, take a short break here on a Thursday night, get right back, right back to it. Lots more of the Employment Law Show is coming right up. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. You betcha. Welcome back to it. 641 Schools here. And Stan Fanselberg is your guy. Into the emails we go. I mentioned we got a lot coming through. So we'll kind of uh, catch up in the, uh, the clutter in the inbox. Whitney's up first. Says, hey, guys, love the show. Just a quick question. I was terminated, and I believe it's because my manager hates me and forced the company to get rid of me. Can she do that? Hmm. Well, John, one of the one of the important things that I think employees miss is that you don't have to like the people you work with. Uh, and it doesn't ultimately matter if your manager doesn't like you. And that's the reason that the company chose to get rid of you. Unfortunately, she's in a position where she can make that kind of argument and ultimately maybe have the authority to do it. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, there's nothing illegal about that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you're not entitled to a fair severance. And, and you absolutely should be getting and fighting for something like that from the company. Whitney, nicely done. Appreciate that, pal. There we go. Whitney, good to, good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for that email. Reed, our pal Reed is up next. This guy's at work in security. And have been working the same condo for over 20 years. During that time, there have been three, kind of three property management companies whom I've worked for with the last one coming in about two years ago. They're now terminating me and treating me as if I only had been employed there for two years. Do they have to consider my years of service with the other companies? Total of 20. Wow. Of course. How about that, Stan? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, actually, it, they absolutely have to, John, and not even, it's not even a question. There's actually specific provisions in the Employment Standards Act that deal with building service providing companies like property management companies, specifically because this is such a uh, prevalent issue. That, and it often happens where property management companies are you know, winning and losing contracts with buildings all the time. But the people, the security team that you see every day, sometimes walking by the office, they yeah. stick around and just kind of change over. And our legislature, in its, uh, in its wisdom, foresaw that and put something specifically in the statute to deal with it, which requires these property management companies to recognize your service read. Reed, appreciate that. If you want to carry on with a phone call after the show or beyond that to uh, to stand, you can always uh, have that option, one 821 5900 or help at employmentlawyer.ca for you if you're listening, by the way. Tatha, coming up next is, guys, my employer refused to give me a raise. Can I quit and use constructive dismissal? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know, Tatha, constructive dismissal is a fundamental change in the employment terms that you already have. And nobody's enti- legally entitled to a raise. And outside of you know a contract that says you get a raise every several years or so that they're not giving you, that's not a constructive dismissal, unfortunately. You know, if you want that raise, you have to negotiate for yourself. And if your company won't give it to you, you may have to go somewhere else to get it. Quick and dirty there, Tatha. Hope that answered your question. Lots more of these on the way. Let's go down to do do do. Ike Ike is up next. This guy's my employer wants to get rid of my annual bonus because they're saying they cannot afford to pay it anymore. This is a huge part of my compensation. It's about a third, and I can't afford uh, myself to lose this money. Is there anything I can do? Well, the first thing you have to really determine is: is this an integral portion of Ike's? income and as he says it's one third of everything of the income he earns per year that's pretty integral and significant component Hmm. and in that situation taking away that form of compensation that's just reducing somebody's income i don't care what you call it and that's ultimately a constructive dismissal because a company can't just take money away from you without your acceptance of it doesn't he need a bit of a history? I mean, if, if they've done this for maybe a year or two, partly, but if it's been going on for, for years, I guess it's 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 considered a part of his income, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, oh. you have to look, you know, not only at the, the facts of how, what's been going on, but also on the language of the plan. Um, in some instances, they don't even need a history because a contract may say you get X amount percentage as bonus of net sales or whatever. That's, I mean, they call it, in that instance, you know, it's, it's called a bonus, but in reality, it's just commissions. But oftentimes, that's what employers do. They call something a bonus when factually, it's just another form of payment. It's not really a discretionary bonus, as you would think of like a Christmas bonus or something. Tamaris of Next says, how do I know if I've been wrongfully terminated and am entitled to money? What do you think, Stan? Uh, Well, this is a pretty easy one. If you've been terminated, then you're likely entitled to money. There's very few situations in which an employee who's terminated by the employer is not entitled to money. Uh, The question of how much money obviously depends on your particular factors. And you can, of course, check out the uh, pocket employment lawyer uh, to determine what you're owed. And, of course, call us at the office to speak to a lawyer and, and pursue what you're owed. 
Tamara, that's a good quick one for you. Again, follow through with uh, with Stan after the show if you'd like uh, to do so. Mike is up next. This guy had an argument with my boss that I would go off and get migraine headaches uh, looked at. It was off five weeks. When I came back, he sent me to his other business in another town, which was not our original agreement. It's not how it went down. When I protested, he said it was his, it was his business and he could do whatever he wants. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, your employer just can't change your location uh, against your will. Now, that's not entire. Like in certain situations, if we're talking literally about across the street and we're talking about the same business, then, yeah, they can probably send you until you go across the street. Across town, that would depend. I mean, if we're talking about a five minute drive, your employer can probably get away with that. If we're talking about across Toronto in an hour commute, you know, that's that's a completely different story. Yeah. So, Mike, I mean, it really depends on the facts here. You'd probably have to call us in the office and, the, and discuss it with the lawyer to, to nail things down uh, and determine what you're owed. The doctor might factor into this heavily too, right, if you get some sort of note going forward? Uh, for sure. I mean, if that, that would depend on, the, on accommodation. So if the doctor yeah. were to say that, you know, he couldn't drive, and right. he can't go over to that other office because he's got no mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to accommodate him by keeping him at the location he's at. Let's get down to uh, Janice. Stan is up next. Again, the email address we always pull from is help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's obviously the one you can use as well to uh, get your emails on the show here. And, and Stan and his team answer them outside the show, of course. Janice says, I'm six months pregnant and my company just terminated me. I was a very high performer, but things seemed to change after I told them I was pregnant a couple months ago, and all of a sudden, I'm terminated. How do I prove that they terminated me because of the pregnancy and my request for an 18-month maternity leave? Ooh. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things about any form of discrimination is trying to prove it because yeah. companies are and people are pretty smart about these things and nobody's writing emails saying we're firing you because you're pregnant these days. Uh, but at the same time, Janice, it's not, it, certainly you can look at the cer- totality of the, the evidence, the circumstances. If you were a high performer, if they had no other reason, the logical inference would be because of the pregnancy. And in fact, you know, the test for discrimination makes that inference specifically that the first part is, okay, did they treat you differently because of a protected ground? In this, in this case, they fired you and you're saying it's because you're pregnant. That alone clears the hurdle of the first, uh, first step of the test. Huh. And then the second part is essentially to go back to the company and put the onus on them to say, okay, company, you tell us why you fired Janice if it wasn't because she was pregnant. And, you know, they essentially have to convince that the, the tribunal, the court, whatever, that not only was that the reason or whatever that reason was, whether it's performance or insubordination or whatever, uh, but that it was 100% of the reason that the pregnancy played absolutely no part in that decision whatsoever. So it, it's very difficult to prove, Janice, but at the same time, the onus is often on the company to disprove it. That's the way that goes down. Janice, again, uh, feel free to reach out after the show and have that uh, further discussion. 
Ages up next. This guy's I was recently terminated but told that I have to stay and work until the end of May. Do I have to stay at this point? As it seems unbearable to me to work for a company that has terminated me already. You gotta you gotta feel where they're coming from, right? Everybody probably knows that hey, this one's gone, but they gotta work until May. It's 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 an ugly situation to go to work every day. Any recourse there, Stan? Uh, it's a tough situation, John, yeah. and I agree. You have to feel for an employee, and that's why most companies don't want to do it because it not only is awkward for the employee, it's awkward for everyone. It's awkward for the employer as well. Uh, the reality is that an employer has every right to give you working notice as a form of notice of, of essentially telling you that your job is ending at some future point, so to prepare for that time. Uh, and the law provides for that, and ADA has to work out the notice period. Of course, if she were so traumatized by the by the prospect of it, and her doctor, you know, if she went to go see her doctor and a doctor provider with a medical note to indicate she couldn't work at that during that time, well, that would give her a sufficient reason not to have right. to work that period, but doesn't necessarily negate the money she's owed for the period of time. And there you go. I hope that uh, hope that helped a little bit. Working down to uh, Trisha's up next, guys. Love the show. Listen all week. Thanks, Trisha. Appreciate that. Listen, my company just put me on a performance improvement plan, a PIP, and I completely disagree with this. What can I do to fight this as the issues they've uh, identified are completely made up? Well, so a, a PIP ultimately, John, is is the company's subjective view of your performance. Yeah. And it could be an honest view. It could be that we genuinely don't think you're doing well. But sometimes it's just a stepping stone and excuse to, to let people go, especially if, you know, if it's a situation where the employee feels that's completely ridiculous and the, the issues that they've, uh, they've brought up. But in that circumstance, there's very little you know, the employee can do to, from being terminated at the end of that pit. As, we, as we've said many times, you can't stop your employer from terminating you without cause. And th- their obligations to you are essentially to give you severance at that point, but not necessarily a reason. So it, in terms of the PIP, I mean, the best thing you can really do is try to rebut what you're in writing, some of the allegations, just for the purposes of ensuring that if, it were, if the company were to do something you know, ridiculous, like argue cause on the basis right. of this PIP, you would have your evidence available to the court and contemporaneously so you could show that you were making this rebuttal to the company directly. And beyond that, I mean, really all you can do is do your best, go into work. If you feel like you're doing a great job, then just keep doing what you're doing. And if the company is going to let you go, then again, there's very little you can do to stop. In, your, in uh, all your years of experience doing this, Stan, do you think, you know, generally when a company puts somebody on a performance improvement plan, I guess sometimes it's, it's an actual, mm-hmm. you know, legitimate chance to, to improve the employee's performance and get them up to snuff. But do you quite often see it as the first step in uh, getting them out the door? You know, uh, the way I often see it is the, you kind of look at the, the areas of improvement that they're trying right. to highlight. And you can right. basically tell based on the PIP whether it's legitimate or not. I mean, I can't tell you how many of these things that I've seen where the company's saying, we need you to show better leadership, you know, more cooperation, more initiative, like the, that. Those are such vague generalities. What does it actually mean? Whereas I've seen one where they, you know, many where they say, okay, your sales numbers are here. 
we need you to do this. We need you to do this many cold calls. We need you to approach these clients. We need you to do weekly meetings with these people. You know, and those are much more likely to be legitimate attempts to correct an employee's yeah. behavior and to, to bring them up to the standards that the company expects. Again, Trish, you want to uh, reach out after the show. You always can do uh, to talk to Stan. Let's move down to Kelsey. Kelsey says, guys, worked through two separate employment agencies for the same company for over 20 years. They laid me off during the pandemic, and then in January, the employment agency terminated me. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. Well, of course, you know, the employment agency is without question liable to that person. Uh, and they owe them severance. There's just no quite, no way around that. Um, they they basically have to just pay out the severance and the bonus. You know, I don't see any way around that for them, Ryan. You should give us a call and uh, at the office and we can discuss it further. Now, there's two separate employment agencies for the same employer over the mm-hmm. 20 years. So who pays the severance, the employer, or they got to divvy it up between the two agencies or the most recent one? Yeah. Well, not just the employment agency, but also the argument can be made that the company that the individual worked right. at for the 20 years, that they were you know, entirely responsible for that employee because, in fact, they may have been that, the employer of the employment. You know, if you work somewhere for 20 years, it's, uh, it seems very likely to me that you're likely the empl- an employee of that company. Yeah, totally. And Rajesh they is up be next. Responsible Sorry. for the 20 years. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Rajesh says this, my employer is selling the business and tells me the buyer is going to hire me. However, it's been almost two months. Still haven't heard anything from the buyer. Can I still go after my former employer? I guess is what they're asking. Uh, absolutely, Rajesh. If the buyer never ends up hiring you, which sounds likely at this point, uh, then that's a termination by the seller and that seller owes you severance and two months is well within the period of time that you have to pursue your rights. So give us a call at the office and we can certainly talk about that. So if, if Rajesh, now he, he obviously hasn't step, stepped foot in the business with the buyer. Had he worked one day for the new buyer and then he was let go or they didn't call him back or whatever, now it's the buyer's responsibility, right, for the severance? It not only is the buyers, but I would actually say it's both the sellers really? and buyers at wow. the same time. Because when you think about a sale of business that involves an asset uh, sale, which is most most businesses that are sold are, are asset sales, you're not selling the corporation. You're selling the stuff of the corporation to a different corporation. So right. legally what's happening is he's being terminated by Corporation A, going to work for Corporation B, but is technically owed severance by Corporation A, that's being negated by the money they make at Corporation B. If you are then terminated by Corporation B, you know, you, you're technically owed severance by both. Yeah. That is about all the time we have for this evening. Thank you so much for your emails. Appreciate you taking the time to send those along. You want to reach out now and have a more of a private conversation with your matter, you can do so. Call Stan and his team, 1-855-821-5900. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for any other concerns, the website is built just to make you smarter. It's free. It's anonymous. It's called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you on the weekend with another edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.